Before we start today's show, I just want to give a massive shout out to Acast for making this show happen. Thanks, Acast. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hiya, welcome to the PJ Podcast. How's your week been? Has it been good? I feel like I've I found the beginning of March quite intense. I don't know if that's just me or if I love camping. Sorry, that's the only joke I know and I will um, never use it again. Um, look, on the show this week, to celebrate International Women's Day, which is today, I'm going to share an episode of a podcast I featured in earlier this year, which is called... Figuring Out 30. It's hosted by former Triple J presenter Bridget Hustwaite. And it's a deep dive into navigating your 30s and all the wonderful slash terrifying things that present around this time of life. I had had a work crush on Bridget um, since moving to Melbourne, where you both started our shows at the same time. She started hosting the night show um, on Triple J as I was doing Breakfast on Kiss. And I'd always been like, oh my God, I just want to be friends with her. She sounds so cool. So think of this episode as a beginning to that friendship. Uh, we talk quitting a job that's a massive part of your identity, shifting priorities, and a bunch of different kinds of grief um, that came up for me over the last few years. Hope you enjoy this episode with Bridget Hussway. I was also kind of at this point where I started reassessing everything in my life. And that's sort of what led to my decision to step away some would say controversially, from uh, this role that I was in. And it didn't make sense to a lot of people. And I couldn't really talk to people at work about it for a long time because, I don't know, it was sort of like, once you actually speak it, then it really becomes reality. What's going on? Hello, welcome to Figuring Out 30 with me, Bridget Hustwaite. Thank you so much if you tuned into last week's episode, which was my first episode since June last year. This podcast is now a weekly moment. So yeah, very excited to be hanging out more often. And I really appreciate the lovely messages that came through last week as well. I spoke a bit about leaving my job and starting a new chapter. And yeah, very much so feeling the love. So thank you so much. Um, This episode, I think, is a 
really nice extension from that kind of conversation and topic because you'll be hearing from someone who also left their adored radio gig and that is PJ Harding. Absolutely loved chatting to PJ. So it's up in a second. I'll give you a proper introduction. But first, I kind of want to just play a bit of a catch up on the last week because, yeah, it's been a big one just, you know, planning podcast stuff. But I have to tell you about my Friday night, which I was spamming all on my Instagram. Um, So where do we start? Okay, Friday night, I went to the opening of Mary Potter the musical in Melbourne. It was such a fun event. Um, big ups to the Michael Castle group for having myself along and my date for the evening, my good friend Dee Salmon. Um, we got doled up. I totally got like my hair and makeup done. I am so shit at that stuff. Like I, <laughs> I have not been able to move on from like the basic makeup tips of like year eight, right? Where it's literally like foundation, bronzer, mascara. That is all I can do. I don't know how to curl my hair for the life of me. Like I can straighten it, but I can't ever make my hair nice and wavy or done up. So whenever there's like a special event, I'm absolutely treating myself and getting my hair and makeup done. So I did that. I hired a dress, a Zimmerman dress, Zimmerman. Oh my God. It's harder than cinnamon. Zimmerman. This is how unfancy I am. I don't even know how to pronounce the gorgeous label. Um, But I hired one of their dresses and I felt like it was a really nice kind of uh, print. It was kind of like a a lilac with hints of blue. Um, It's on my Instagram. It's really cute and has like these little tie up bits on each shoulder. But the whole look of that dress felt very Mary Poppins for me. I felt like I could have been part of like, actually, do you know what? I felt like I almost had a Wendy vibe from Peter Pan. I'm just thinking like Disney classic, like the print was almost like a fancy curtain print. That is what I was kind of envisioning. (laughs) It probably sounds awful. If you want to see a picture, you can see it on my Instagram at Bridget Hustaway. I thought I looked hell cute. Anyway, so during the day Friday, kind of getting myself prepped for that, washing my hair, doing all the things. And then I get a message from my friend Thomas, who is a music publicist. And he was like, hey, um, I can get you on the guest list tonight for Fred again. So if if you're listening to this podcast, I assume it's because you know who I am and maybe that's from music presenting. And if that's the case, you'll absolutely know who Fred again is. Incredible UK producer. He is here for Laneway Festival. I am obsessed with his music and his song Maria with Lost Dancing literally got me through like my breakup and all the shit storm um, that was 2021. And yet to see him at Laneway, in fact, I'll be seeing him this weekend at Laneway in Melbourne, but he did his own sideshow, which was at the four. obviously sold out and then he did a secret kind of rave gig and I had no chance of getting a ticket I mean it was so hard the rave sold out in 3.4 seconds but my good mate Thomas friggin pulling through surprise message being like I can get you two spots on the guest list and I <laughs> I messaged Dee straight away and I was like, um, we have to go to this straight after Mary Poppins. And she was like, are you going to be able to stay up that late? Because I'm a nana. Like I rarely stay out late when I go out. And Fred was on from midnight until 2 a.m. But for this, for Fred, I will. For Fred, I will. So we had to kind of reshuffle our plans because obviously we were going to be hell doled up in like heels and long dresses um, for Mary Poppins. And we couldn't exactly, I mean, we could have gone dressed like that to Fred again, but we, it wasn't the vibe, you know? So we had to reshuffle our plans and figure out where are we going to get changed? We don't even know where the venue was because it was that secret. Um, we didn't find out. No one found out 
where the venue was until 7 p.m. that night. So literally when Mary Poppins started, like I had to quickly check my phone and make sure that I got the the tip on where the venue is. And that was because the they planned like one first secret rave thing and that was at Howler in Brunswick. But they had to shut it down because so many people rocked up. Like his fan base is crazy. And I mean crazy in a good way. Like they're beautiful, they're loyal. It's almost like a really sweet community of like Fred again fans. Really enjoy the fandom, but <laughs> there's a lot of them. Um, so they had to keep it really under wraps so it wouldn't be another shutdown again and it could go ahead. And yeah, so we went to the musical. It was absolutely amazing. And then we pretty much left right on time. Oscar came and picked us up, took us back to our place because we found out it was in Thornbury, so north side. Um, raided my wardrobe, dressed D up in my clothes. <laughs> we then headed on over to this warehouse thing that was like full proper setup was at the thorn I haven't heard of the thorn before um but it was crazy it was like a full warehouse and we wiggled our way up to the front of like the barricade which I honestly haven't done for like 10 years um but we had such a good viewing spot and we could just have yeah a great eyeline view of Fred again and then I saw some of my photographer friends and my friend Tim who was shooting Fred um grabbed my phone and got this epic video of Fred like right in front of the decks but it was so amazing like the energy and the atmosphere was so uplifting everyone was just having the time of their life and Oh, all of Fred's songs just were so incredible. He did, yeah, a two-hour DJ set. He did a bit of a back-to-back with Hi, who's this other DJ slash producer. Um, yeah, it was just so epic. So he stayed there until 2 a.m. And then Oscar, absolute legend king, uh, came and picked us up and took us home. We got a kebab and we were in bed by 3 a.m. It's so late for me and I think I'm still dead-ass recovering from it. But it was like a core memory night. Oh, my God, it was so much fun. Like never expected that I'd be able to go to that, you know, secret little rave for Fred again. Um, So big thank you to Thomas Bleach for the hookup. And, yeah, it was an incredible Friday night. From theatre to Thornbury, like find a girl who has range, doled up for a musical and then at a rave. Yeah, that's me. (laughs) I also want to do this thing where I give you like a recommendation every week. And it's just something that I'm loving and it can literally be anything. I actually have two for you this week because I was meant to do one last week, but I forgot. Um, I'm obviously going to recommend a song where I can because, you know, music girly. So maybe we'll start with that one. My favorite song at the moment, and it is my favorite song of 2023 so far. It is called Red Flags. And it's by Mimi Webb. But I keep on running through these red flags. I blame myself because I know it's bad. But I keep on running through these red flags. This song is a freaking banger. It is just a big pop moment. I know all the words already. I feel like so many people could like relate to it. You just turn it up, sing along. The chorus and the beat in the chorus is just so ugh, infectious. I just think it is pop perfection so Mimi Webb Red Flags is my favorite new release at the moment and the next recommendation it's gonna be a recipe um this one's a really funny one I I'm a sucker for like recipes on TikTok and Instagram reels and stuff and me and Oscar obsessed with this like pork sausage pasta recipe it's from this Sydney creator she's a self-taught cook and she's got like 200,000 followers on Instagram and same amount on TikTok And she puts up just like easy recipes that are, you know, not too hard on the budget or whatever. And she put up this amazing like pork sausage pasta and it costs like $22 to put together. 
Um, <laughs> her name's Jasmine Eats. So I'm going to put the link into the show notes of this episode. Uh, obviously, don't click on it if you don't eat meat. But if you do and um, you like pasta and you don't mind pork, you're going to freaking love it. Oh, my God, it's so yum. I think we've had it every week since we discovered it um, about a month ago. So <laughs> my two recommendations, a song and a recipe. So go check them out in the show notes of this episode. But let's get into my conversation now with Polly PJ Harding. She is an adored radio broadcaster, podcaster, and mum. Paige started her radio career in New Zealand in her homeland before landing a primetime slot hosting breakfast on Kiss 101.1 in Melbourne with her co-host Jace. And yeah, listening to Jace and PJ, like they just lit up their radio waves every morning in Melbourne. And one of those rare duos, I truly think it's a rare thing, like for the chemistry to be so genuine and authentic and you literally sound like you're hearing two good mates. That's exactly what Jace and PJ were and still are. They're still very good friends. But PJ decided to quit her dream radio gig. And it was a bit of a shock to everyone. So you're going to hear all about that and everything else that has happened to Paige in the last few years. A lot has happened, you know, love, loss, and a newfound perspective on life. You'll also hear what PJ thinks of her 30s so far. She was such a legend to chat to. I really, really enjoyed meeting her. So I hope you enjoy Figuring Out 30 with Polly PJ Harding. PJ, welcome to Figuring Out 30. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm so excited to be here. I've uh, I've been a long-time viewer of you, actually, from afar. What? Uh, secretly. Well, I always wanted to be on BBC Radio 1 and then <gasps> I wanted to be on Triple J like if I was in Australia and then didn't end up there. But I did manage to um, turn into you quite a bit when I was in Australia. So Stop. I was quite excited to come on today. Oh my God, that's so cool. Were you the same when you were doing radio? I mean, it's probably different because you guys, you were on breakfast commercial radio, so you had a t- shit ton of listeners, but I always forget that people listen. Like, <laughs> And then and then people come up to you and they'll bring something up that you said and you're like, oh, that's right. You were actually listening because sometimes you do, you just get caught up in your own little world yep. and you forget that there's someone on the other side. Yep. There's like tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that know you um, more than you probably think. But I really wanted to get you on because um, I made the decision to wrap up with Triple J like this year, I guess, is I'm not continuing with them. And obviously I've spoken to a lot of former presenters from the station, but you were the first person that I thought of for like just, you know, coming back into the podcast and chatting about the decision to leave mm-hmm. what everyone would see as like your dream job and like a public facing role because you did it yourself and you're about, I mean, gosh, when did you, it was 2021 that you left KISS, right? Yeah, so I left like halfway through 2021. It's kind of all been a blur. Yeah. As for, has been for everyone <laughs> the last few years. But um, Sorry, Daisy's just chiming in if you hear her barking in the background. <laughs> oh, <not> easy. <laughs> um, I, yeah, so yeah, it was halfway through 2021. 21 and it's been weird it's so weird I can imagine I'm so keen to unpack that um because we're I I think you're a year older than me so I want to kind of just wind back to I guess the whole moment and experience of you know transitioning into your 30s because so much has happened for you in the last couple of years but before that like where did PJ you know envision herself at 30 like what did you feel like you would 
going to be doing by the age of 30? God, I don't know. I actually have, I, I never was like, I had some friends who were like, right, I want to be married by 27. I want to do this. I want to have kids. I, I never really had that. I think I was always just kind of living my life following what felt good. Like that's kind of been my way of navigating through everything. Um, but I suppose like at the end of the day, maybe when I was growing up, I would have thought I would have probably settled down by 30. I didn't think I'd be in Australia on radio, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, that would have been, yeah, <laughs> you just never can predetermine that kind of thing. So what, okay, so that was kind of like expectation. What was the reality of your life heading into so, the big three O? Yes, turning 30, I remember I was in lockdown, living in an apartment in uh, Pran slash South Yarra in Melbourne by myself. Um, it was a bit of a non-event, um, as many birthdays that you were, but I was doing breakfast radio on KISS um, and I was in a long-term relationship. My partner was living in New Zealand. We were doing long distance. I had a cat, <laughs> a cat called Josephine. And that was me at 30. And I was, yeah, very content. I guess I was very, very career focused at that point. Yeah. Um, and, and then, but I was also kind of at this point where I started reassessing everything in my life. And that's sort of what led to my decision to step away, some would say controversially, from uh, this role that I was in. Um, because, you know, of world events that were happening, I think everyone was forced to to reassess what really meant, what really mattered to them and what were their priorities. And, and that's when I was like, oh, my God, I actually, I, I, I think I really need to go home. Yeah. And it didn't make sense to a lot of people. And I couldn't really talk to people at work about it for a long time because, I don't know, it was sort of like, once you actually speak it, then it really becomes reality. Um. So, yeah, I guess I was thinking about it for a while. And then I did come back to New Zealand to do the show from here at the end of 2020. And it was when I came back, I was like, no. I think just with so much unknown in the world, I was like, I know where I want to be. And it was like crazy. It was wild. It still yeah. is wild. It's such a huge decision. And also when you um, you make that call and I guess – there's a lot of external factors and mm. other people are affected as well. So you've got yes. a co-host, you've got producers, you've got a manager or whatever. Like how did you kind of sit with making that decision and how it would impact other people? Yeah, that was <clears throat> that was definitely the toughest part, um, feeling like you're letting a lot of people down, including the people that listen to the show. Yeah. You know? um, so I think – with Jace, my co-host, we were obviously very close and I sort of started the dialogue with him sort of early on and I kind of planted the seed. So it wasn't a massive shock to him. Yeah, We were having pretty open, honest chats behind the scenes and just being really transparent with one another. And I think that really helped the transition because otherwise it would have been really, really, really hard. Um, for both of us, I think. And I think that was, yeah, really key to make that that transition smoother. So from the get-go, I sort of I think when I sort of initially voiced it to him, he was like, nah, nah. And he was probably like, that's never gonna happen. And yeah, you've been away from home, you know, times are really tough. And he was really respectful and really understanding, but I don't think he really thought that I'd actually ever leave. And um anyway, the conversations continued to go. And I think after a while he was like, fuck, she actually she's done like and I was and it wasn't 
because of anyone around me. It was just because of my circumstances. My dad had passed away in 2019 and that being away from him in a different country was really challenging. And and then lockdowns. And then lockdowns and then not being with your partner. And then, yeah, it was, it just became such a no-brainer for me. But for everyone else, it was such a shock, which yeah. was crazy. So with the long-term relationship, how long were you doing that before you made the decision? Were you always doing long-term before you started yeah. this gig or? Yes, I was. So I um, got the gig. Uh, we sort of, at the end of 2017, went over to Melbourne, found a place to live. And then I was like, cool, I'll come back to New Zealand for Christmas and New Year's and just have a really good time. Then my head down with friends, like nothing, not looking for anyone. And then boom, what do you know? There's like this farmer dude at this New Year's celebration that we were at who we ended up clicking and then, so right before you moved to Melbourne, you fucking mm, made him. Yep. That's so, so classic. <laughs> of course. I mean, he was like, oh, I'm going to come over and visit. And I never actually thought he would. And then Booby did a couple of weeks later. And then we literally did long distance from the get-go. Wow. But I loved it. I actually loved long distance. But it was when you were faced looking down the barrel of, I don't know when I'm going to see you. Yeah. yeah. It was just too hard. And yes, you know, COVID obviously has blown over more now, but I still don't make, I don't, I don't have any regrets about my decision. So you um, feel totally like, the minute you announced it, were you like, yep, this is the right thing? Or like, because when you get the public reaction and everything, did that make you kind of second guess or, you know? <laughs> no, I, no, I was, I was so excited to go home at that point. I, obviously it was bittersweet. I loved my job and it's funny because I, I probably was really adamant at that time that I made the right decision, but it's more as time has gone on after being in such an ego driven world for a long time and getting that constant adrenaline of radio and live radio and I guess interaction with others and constant feedback. It has been a come down yep. last year and a half. There's no denying that. Um, I probably should have anticipated that was going to happen, but because that's such a big identity. That's your identity, yes. right? As you know, and it's a real kid fuck. So it really great. is. Oh, no. F-bomb away. <laughs> fuck away. Um, that's the huge thing, I yeah. think, is the identity and the ability or perhaps inability to separate who you are versus what you do. And, yeah, you were literally doing a primetime slot you know, in Melbourne breakfast radio and so, so much of yourself that you share as content, as talkback. So how did you find that separation? Were you able to do it as soon as you started the gig or did you feel like it really kind of popped up as you left? You're like, who the fuck am I outside of radio, you know? <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I consciously separated my on-air and my off-air. I, I probably, I was always quite wary of protecting my mental health. I, I remember looking at people who'd sort of been in the industry for a long time who weren't the happiest. And I, from quite a young age, maybe my mid-20s, was like, I don't want that to be me. I don't want my life to just be radio. And then if I don't have radio, I've got nothing. Mm. I remember really feeling that quite strongly. And um, <laughs> But then now coming out of it, I'm like oh, that ego loves to rear its head and it loves to be like, oh, well, I could be doing that or maybe I should be doing this. Oh, that'd be nice. And you kind of forget 
what made you make that decision in the first place because of all that glitz and glamour and you know all the all the great things about the industry which there are many great things but you seem to solely focus on them sometimes when you don't have that I guess that radio to fuel that um so yeah it has been interesting but but also I don't I don't have regrets and I I know that this is the life that I wanted to choose but I have to remind myself that sometimes yeah. Did you find a, a sense of grief about that process and yes. grieving a part yes. of, I guess, a part of yourself? I mean, you would have just gone from two completely different, <laughs> I think people forget there's different kinds of grief. You know, you would have been, yeah. you've gone from grieving, you know, like the loss of your dad and then yeah. almost a, to the me, loss. Yeah. Me. Because I think me on radio is a very, I don't know, it's funny. There's so many different sides of you as a human, right? Yeah. Like, we're all different and I certainly... It's very silly and upbeat and fun, and that's one part of me. But there's also a more serious, probably more, um, I don't know, deep, uh, curious. Like there's just a side of me that wasn't always tapped into in radio. So I guess I've been able to explore that a bit more. Was that a deliberate thing to kind of keep that, you know, just to yourself during that time or just you didn't? I don't know. I think maybe I just naturally slipped into that role because you do play roles, right? And I always thought it was probably a hyped up version in some sense. As much as it was me and I was always very real and I'd, I'd show a lot of vulnerability, it probably was a slightly dramatized version of yourself. I don't know. How would you explain it? Like, Oh, no, the same. <laughs> I mean, people, it's funny when I do any audio stuff like in the morning in comparison to 6 p.m. when I'm on air because I've had the whole day to kind of do my day and I'm really hyper at 6 p.m. But in yes. the morning and during this whole podcast project, I'm a much more calmer tone, mellow yeah. tone. And I guess my role on radio was to be like the the hype music fan who was, yes. you know, introducing all the new tracks and being excited about that. And this podcast has been. Do you feel the been... pressure of being cool? Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's such a Triple J question. <laughs> I, I, I'm actually, that's not a point of triple day question. But I first started out doing solo stuff. Yeah. And trying music back in the day. I had no idea who the fuck I was. And it wasn't until I actually had a co host that I could really bear all. And yeah. that's when I felt comfortable to show my other side on you. Yeah. Um, I don't so know. I, I think was, I just always was just because we had to do like the, we had to go from like mid dawn. So we used to do like yeah. 1 a.m. to 6 a.m. And then so people really see different sides of you on air depending on the time in which you're on. But <laughs> yeah, I, I think nah, people just know me as like the nana who's just like happy. <laughs> but I definitely wouldn't say that I'm cool. But when people say you're cool, I'm like, I'm not fucking cool. Like, oh, but you are cool though. I <laughs> I'm so I'm such a loser. <laughs> How are you finding it personally since coming off? Um, I'm really happy with the decision. Yeah. Um, and you know, this is a time in you in which programming programming is commencing for the year, so I would be in that routine. But I love having this routine where like it's completely up to you and having this new wave of determination because you're entirely responsible for yes. you know your trajectory and whatever it is and for paying the bills and all that kind of shit. But it was a really big thing that I had to think about and speak to other presenters from the station because the thing with Triple J, it's like it's, it, it is such a big cultural place, I guess. Like, and people, yeah, it's just, I guess, because it's a nationwide thing and it's, you know, so embedded in youth culture in Australia. Yes. Um, but I, I made like a conscious decision throughout my time broadcasting to make 
a point of having other things like and I, I it's so, it sounds so fucked up but like I think having a chronic illness and like think having endo that I can talk about that stuff and have you so know got a, another blow to your arrow yeah I just I always feared just being just Bridget from Triple J and nothing yes. more and then I'm sure you would be like just PJ from Jason PJ like and especially when there's another person involved too like that does that make it even harder because I've never had a co-host so I don't even yeah. know I was terrified of going out on my own and and actually and I still am like what I'm putting out now it's almost like I'm in an experimental phase and I've yeah. not even actually honed in on exactly what I want to do but I wanted to give myself a space where I can grow that voice yeah on my own and get the confidence and I'm not at the end goal yet. I feel like I'm starting again in a way. It almost feels like a giant pilot season, don't you think? Like when I launched this last year, I was like, I don't even, you okay. know, I don't know what stats are and all that no. shit. Like I'm just going to get a USB Winger. mic and start talking yep. and yeah, see if I like you it. To, you have to start. Because I put it off for a very long time. Yeah. A uh, very long time. I'd wanted to do a podcast for so long. And now it's like every single person seems to be doing it. It's like, no, but man, I wanted to do this ages ago. <laughs> yeah. How do you find it differs from radio? Like how have you found that kind of transition? Um, yeah, it's cool. Oh, it, it doesn't have the live, which is very addictive. It's quite fun. And, you know, um, the adrenaline that comes with it is pretty, pretty awesome. But I do like the slower nature and I like the more inquisitive nature, the long form. It gives you more mm. space, more room to go in deep which you don't really get well I know that's that's not fair but you know um generally speaking it's quite short and sharp and punchy commercial radio so um it's been really cool to slow it down and again like explore this other side of me which has kind of been lying dormant a little bit yeah. And we we're saying before, it's so funny. Like we're both, people would think we're just pros, but we're literally sitting in front of our microphones. Like, is it on? Like, are we working? The technical side is terrifying. I've always been shocking. Did you have a panel? Um, did I? Well, when I was co-hosting, no, no. no. Was it Jace doing the buttons or do you have a producer doing the buttons? Nah, Jace was very good at the buttons. He was on the buttons and I just, my button was on and off. <laughs> so yeah um but that has been another cool part about doing a podcast actually learning yeah all this stuff, all this stuff that I have been fortunate enough to have other people do in the past it's like yeah no 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 now it's your turn yeah so cool and it's um it's yeah it's cool to acquire more skills and build up that confidence when you look at your learning curve over the last few years, Paige, like not only professionally, but personally having a freaking baby, like how's that been? You know, how's the learning curve for motherhood? And and I guess also the identity of being a mother, like how the hell has that kind of, you know, gone for you? Well, we speak about grief and the different kinds of it. So yeah, I had obviously my father passing and then leaving radio and then becoming a mother there's there's big grief attached with that it, mm. it obviously intense intense love that you feel but the grief of um of your old life certainly creeps in and I think particularly when I was pregnant I was like oh another identity kind of like crisis what's going on am I ready all of that stuff um but but it's been also like a rebirth in a way which has been really cool and it's like all right this is this is, you know, you get to shape and choose what you do now. 
Um, and and it's exciting. I truly do feel like after after giving birth, like I God, it's cheesy, but I do feel like I gave birth to a new version of myself, and that's constantly evolving and growing. What a great way to look at it, though. Yeah, well, I saw someone say that once, and I was like, wow, it's so true. Um, because you're never ever ever the same again. And I've always been like, I'm a Leo star sign. I'm very like me oriented. Main character. (laughs) Yeah. And I've always done things for me. And I was terrified about having a baby because I thought, oh my God, I can't, that that baby's going to have all of me. And what if I can't give all of me? But like, it's insane how I just, I'm entirely consumed by him. So it's, um, it's. Yeah, it's a really cool journey. Did you always have like a maternal bone in your body or was this, no? I I definitely did as I probably ventured towards the end of my 20s. I think when I definitely met my partner, I was like, oh, no, I want babies. And I probably always had in the back of my head that I wanted babies, but I wasn't super maternal. Like there are some people who dream of it forever and and that wasn't me. And I was always really awkward around kids because I was the youngest in my family, but two older brothers. And then with all my cousins, I was the youngest as well. So you had them I, kind of looking after you. Yeah, probably. Yes. And I was the baby and my chat with babies was shocking. <laughs> <laughs> that was the baby banter. I <laughs> yeah. Not there. <laughs> so yeah, no, it, um, I think, I think my family members are shocked as well, how much I'm enjoying this new role as well. They're like, mum was like, I thought you'd be shit, but <laughs> So honestly, I, I thought you can't look after another person, but you're doing great. And I was like, yes. Well, it is different to like looking after someone else's kid, like when it's your own. So like I literally babysat for the first time ever a couple of weeks ago and it was two hours and I was terrified, like so nervous. And thank God for minions. Like I just, I was just like, keep this kid alive and smiling at Go, go mimmies, just chuck them on. But yeah, all of my friends since that, because I was going to my friends who have had babies, I'm like, God, it was so scary. And they're like, oh, it, it is scary looking after other kids. But when it's your own, it's completely different. Yeah. 100%. You get to call the shots. What's it like going home, you know, when you've gone back to New Zealand and, you know, so you're back in, are you back in your hometown or have you gone to like a new city no. or? <laughs> Where are you? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm originally from the South Island, from a city called Christchurch. And um, my partner, he is a farmer here in the North Island um, in a region called the Wairarapa. And we are just under two hours north of Wellington. It's like, yeah. And then there's a town uh, slash city, Palmerston North, which is about an hour away. And then there's Masterdam, which is a town 20 minutes away. But we are like pretty much in the bush. Really? You <laughs> yeah. gone from like yeah. Southside, Melbourne. Yeah. How oh literally you walk out your door and there's the pram markets and you got a cool little wine bar across the road and now I've literally looked out the window and there's sheep and ponies. Oh so, my gosh. Um, it's slower, but and I think I did probably struggle for a bit, and I think I do struggle still from time to time with the culture shock, but I think as long as you try and incorporate visits to the city and get that fixed in ways that you know that you need um then it's fine and you just make plans to see friends more it can be isolating but also living in the country is very community oriented where we are like god there's so many people around it's insane yeah I, it feels like just after everything that's happened it just feels like the right change of scenery for you and to slow down and tap into and it does allow you to kind of like tap in more into yourself and what you yeah. do want to kind of project out into the universe and all that I do kind of shit, you know? though. I do want to come yeah. and visit. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I, I don't know. That's my, my dream life of being able to have my base here and travel to do bits and bobs. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's a a dream, not not realistic with a, a little one, but that's sort of where I want to end up. So. That's nice. I think you could make it happen. When do you think, you know, the with everything that's happened in the last few years, when did you feel like, I guess, at your most vulnerable? How would you compare the vulnerability of motherhood with leaving what people would say is the primetime dream job, you know, like there's been big um, leaps for you. Yeah, gosh, the vulnerability, oh, particularly in that sort of first couple of months after having a baby, oh, like you're so depleted. You've gone through like the biggest physical challenge of your life to date. Well, for me anyway, um, you're tired, hormones are wild. That is vulnerability like I've never felt. But then I suppose, I don't, I, I don't know, when I announced that I was leaving, it wasn't exactly vulnerability that I felt. It mm. was, I don't know. It was like sadness. It was the end of a chapter, but it also felt like a relief that I could be honest with the world as well, you know, because I had been sitting on this and I'd always been such an open book on here that when I wasn't saying that, I felt like a fraud for a while. I was like, oh, you know, don't get any more invested in the show because <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving. No, don't. Um, and then I think also – uh, the vulnerability that I felt when dad was really unwell going on here um, during that time was pretty hard um, because, you know, I'm really close to my family and and you have to be strong on here. It's not like you can just go and cry and just have be shitty or in a bad mood um, when the mic comes on. So it was challenging in those times for sure mm. um, and just the unknown and, up and downs and yeah it was it was because dad had had cancer for a while um and uh, his his journey was incredible like he was really only meant to have two to five years and he had about 14 wow and that was really good quality life so so for a lot of that it was actually great but it was sort of the last year or two and that happened to be when I was in Australia um that that coincided with it and that was obviously a big draw card for me to come back so wait, when, as you were leaving to go to Melbourne, were you, I guess the stage that he was in, were you just, it's a bit of uncertainty there? Were you like, oh no, it should be okay? Like, yeah, it was, it was, he was not, he was still okay. He was still okay, but it was, I don't know. No, he was, no, he was stable then. Um, and he'd always had like moments sometimes where he might not be having a good pitch, but he'd sort of come through. And I think it was end of 2018, beginning of 2019 where things sort of started, um, taking a turn for the worse and mm-hmm. that was yeah that was pretty hard I just wanted to be at home but mm. you know I go I look back on that time and as happens with every challenge you do come out a bit more resilient and a little bit stronger um and I think the fact that dad's you know as soon as he wasn't in pain was also a relief which sounds awful but when you see someone that you love so much in so much pain it's horrible so but yeah, I do remember feeling a sense of strength after that, which was really weird. And then going through COVID and 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 living by myself in Melbs during a hectic lockdown. Yeah, I feel like mm. I got stronger. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So many things that have kind of um, become, well, have kind of put on, you know, they always say, especially with the passing of someone, like that mm. you go through like the biggest perspective shift, but they're just like multiple for you. That- yeah. And I think also my dad was always like, I don't know, he wasn't into sh- the showy things in life and money. And like, yes, I was on a very good wicket. And to a lot of people, that would have been the dream. And like, why would you ever turn that away? But that was never the be all and end all. Like I needed, yeah. I needed a balance with everything. Um, yeah. Because I don't know. I, I do love the quote: "You can have it all, but you just can't have it all at once." Mm. Um, because I think sometimes we get so focused on having everything at once, and it's quite stressful. Whereas, like, if you give yourself time, you can sort of achieve it all, but it's just not at once. Because there's so much pressure, right? Like, if you're thriving in one area it always seems like there's another area that sort of seems to be not doing so well or it's, you know, kind of neglected. And I think especially when we go back to the role of our jobs and the perception of it being like the dream job and all that kind of shit, like sometimes people just don't understand that you can walk away from like, yes, you can have the dream job, but you can also want other things and it may. Well, I get scared that sometimes I'm just going to be like classified or put on the shelf as someone who's just chosen their family and home. But no, I don't, I don't like obviously family. Especially as a woman as well. As a woman, there's just insane pressure to make the choice of one or the other. But that was the decision that was right for me in that time that felt aligned with me and that my heart was like pushing for. But it doesn't mean that I'm like not interested in my career anymore. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's a real tough one to kind of wrestle with and work out the balance. And I don't know if we ever get the balance right. But all we can do is our best and do what feels right to us. Yeah, you just got to wing it, honestly. 100%. What would you say to, I guess, your younger self about, like, how? yeah, about 30? Like, how how is it going, you know, overall with everything that's happened? But, like, how do you like your 30s? It's not the end. It's just the beginning. <laughs> like, it really is. I think when you grow up, you, you think of 30 as, like, ancient. You're like a little fossil. But to me, it's like you've done the – groundwork early on in your life to start working out who you are I think you're just finding your feet at 30 I think the best is yet to come um and screw societal expectations go to the beat of your own drum don't get married if you don't want to get married don't have kids like but if that's you and that's what you want to do fantastic but the comparison is what kills joy in every situation so take that away and just yeah life is awesome it it really is and yeah we're going to go through challenges and there's obstacles but it's all to build us into better people and to be more resilient and and yeah 
It's exciting. 30 rocks. Don't be scared of it. Don't fear it. And it's crazy to just think what could just happen in the next few years by the time you're like 35 or whatever. Like so much can happen. What do they say is the peak age? Because it's way it's way older than I don't even age. know. And I think it what's shit for women as well is that's not even the focus. The focus is just like yeah. your eggs start to decline from 35. Um <laughs> I know. I, I, I'm in denial about my age. Like I still feel like I'm about 29, 30. Yeah. When I see like news articles about people who are 32, 33, I still think they're way older than me. Oh my God. Do you get that with famous people when you interview them and they're like a year older or like two years younger and you're like, what the fuck? Yes. I I, I don't know. I feel like my age sort of paused around that late 20s, which is quite funny. I don't know if that's just the development of my brain and where at. But, um, But it is interesting how quickly that 35, 40 comes around and there is that insane pressure with eggs and the biological clock and everything. It's it's shit. Yeah. Did you ever feel it? I mean, what's the go, I guess, with your friendship groups? Because mm. when I'm in Melbourne, I'm originally from Ballarat, so it's only just a you know, fang down the highway or whatever. But, yeah. like, everyone back home in Ballarat has settled down. Settled, yeah. And then no one in Melbourne has and yeah. it's just like I feel like I go home and I feel like I'm a big kid Two in the worlds. group, you know. Have you, did you ever have that kind of – it's like a Hannah Montana of your life, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's very much so in smaller towns. I do find like friends settle down quicker. Uh, and then in the cities, like, yeah, I've got friends who are in Australia who some are single, some are just in the early phases of dating. And then back here, I've got friends about to get married. Like I've got them kind of all over the spectrum, but they're starting to sort of have kids, maybe more. Like some of the girls that I went to broadcasting school with, a lot of them are having babies now. And it's weird how all of a sudden it's like, bam. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I didn't realize you went to, like you you went to a, a training school for like an school, academy, a radio academy. <laughs> well, how, yeah. What's that like? Um, it was great. It was awesome, actually. Um, there were about 20 of us in our class. It was a, I actually did a degree, a Bachelor of Broadcasting. Wow. How long, how long does a bachelor go for? Two years. Really? But it's really, com- like, it's poor chocker, um, compressed into two years, and you... In the first year, you work for the second years who run their own radio station. So at the end of the first year, you format... A radio idea you work out the demographic you like literally do it all and then in the second year you implement it and you sell advertising for that and like it's gnarly wow. it's like you're actually in the industry and then you can't complete your degree until you've done a six month internship placed at a radio station around the country wow oh so yeah it was amazing I for me it was really great because Kind of gave me a bit of direction. I'd always wanted to loosely be like the weather girl. Oh, really? <laughs> and had I not found out about that course, I think I would have gone to the university and studied Spanish because I had this dream of just, because I loved Spanish at school and I don't know, that like that was literally where I was at. So it gave me a bit more focus and motivation <laughs> for those years, which I could have ended up just partying and getting on the Yeah, board. for sure. It's, but I guess going back to making that call to, you know, leave – the what yeah people would see is just like you know that is the peak radio job breakfast radio and then when you I've spoken about this with a few of my other friends in the industry when you make that decision to leave and you think about like 
how much you put in to get to that point. Like you did training. I did like friggin' you do so much unpaid work and internships and all that stuff. Like that can be a real difficult thing because you almost, I mean, I didn't want to feel like I spent more time getting to that position as opposed to how many times I, how long I spent in that position, if that makes sense. But this sounds corny, but it's not about the final destination, right? It is about. Journey. I <laughs> say it, but it's about the trip that you're on. I won't use the J word, but it is. Uh, and I think, yeah, if you can actually enjoy that whole process and take the pressure off of what that final, because what is the final goal really? Like it's all about, it's constantly evolving. And I think. There's nothing wrong with following what felt right to you and probably was the best thing for your mental health. Had you stayed in that position, I often think I would have just not been in a good place. I wouldn't have been aligned and I would have probably got sick in some way. My body or my mind or something would have given up because I wasn't happy. Yeah, that sliding doors moment. So, yeah, let's say you didn't make the call to move. It's so hard to think of what if, but, like, if you were just like, no, I'm just going to keep sticking it out or whatever. Like, do you think you just would have continued to be in that role just being unhappy? I wouldn't have had Charlie. I, like, look at him and I'm like, oh, my God. You know, had I not made that decision, he would not be here. Would you still be in radio, do you reckon, or would you have just been like, nah, I just need to leave altogether? I don't know. Who knows, hey? I don't know. And I, I don't know if I like I I don't say no to getting back into radio again one day because you know it is probably my first love like let's be honest I have a I have a real special relationship with it and I've grown up in it um but the way I kind of look at it is I've sort of taken time out as a it's like a reset it's like a refresher I feel like I've taken myself out so I can give myself I don't know um energy and charge for the next part so I'm not like resenting it because I felt like I would have resented it had I stayed in that place and I didn't want to a a job that I've loved so much I was getting to a point where I was starting to resent it yeah I think it's almost like leaving on a high I remember when Matt and Alex left Triple J and um it was I mean I didn't know about it I was bloody on the mid-dawn shift right before the breakfast show when they announced that and I was so blindsided but I remember Matt O'Kine saying you know we like we just want to leave on a high and we kind of almost want to leave for you to miss us and not uh, you know as opposed to being like not overseeing you're welcome but for people when you do make the call if you stayed on for you know another like five years or whatever and then you do announce that you're leaving they're like oh yeah like about time (laughs) go out on a high then fizzing with like no energy left a hundred percent no I I do think there's merit to that and it's not for everyone but but there is that is you know, one of the good things that I think um, emerged from it is that I feel like we didn't compromise who we were. Yeah. And we stayed true to ourselves. Yeah. Um, And saying no to that is also saying yes to yourself and other things. So it's just that kind of glass half full approach, I guess. Yeah. It's, It's weird how life turns out, but it's exciting. And I think dropping those fixed ideas and pressure on how it's supposed to look will set you free. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. I'm just rolling out all these rules. You are. <laughs> Do you want to be like a fucking spiritual <laughs> life coach? <laughs> no, like it's not like I want to have like my own inspiring podcast, but no, um, I don't know. Paige, it's been awesome to chat to you about all of this. Is there anything else that you want to say about your 30s and that experience and 
I mean, I guess when you compare it to all the shit that you've gone through in your 20s, do you feel like these last few years in particular have just been so much more growth and development than your entire decade of, you know, in your 20s? No, I think, as I say, like, it just keeps getting better. Life keeps getting better. And everyone talks about the glory days of the 20s and all the freedom that you get. But I think you get freedom as you start to really know who you are as you get older. And the more experience and the more shit you go through, that's just priming you to be the best version of yourself. And, um, yeah, don't be afraid. Take it on. Head on. This Hell is yeah. not And how good is it being like our own bosses right now? Look at us, I little know. girl bosses. Literally. <laughs> Like I always think back to when I was dreaming of being in this situation and then you get there and you often don't and, and you often take it for granted. So don't take it for granted when you actually make those achievements through your life. Smell the roses along the way and enjoy it because otherwise what's the point of it? A hundred percent preach. Such a good note to end on. And I, I'm so glad we're at the end that I can tell you that. Um, <laughs> so Polly, Pollyanna is like on my kids list name. And I was like, I'll wait till the end of the podcast in case she's a mole, but <laughs> cause then she'll take it off, but it's still on the list. <laughs> Pollyanna. Oh my God. I love that. Like no one is called Polly these days. No, for real. Yeah, I think it's such a cute name. And I used to watch this movie, Pollyanna, when I was a kid. And yeah. I can't even remember. It's like this girl who was like really chipper. And she, all I remember from this movie, it was literally called Pollyanna. I remember them eating ice cream. No, not ice cream, watermelon. And she fell out of a tree. Um, <laughs> crazy kid film. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, I, I give you permission and I'll be very honoured. Imagine, yeah, a few years. Here's Polly. (laughs) So nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much for jumping on. Real fun. Man, she's so cool. Big thanks to Polly PJ Harding for joining me on this episode of Figuring Out 30. And yeah, please go check out her podcast. It's called The PJ Podcast. You can find it wherever you listen to your pods. And I've also included the details in the show notes of this episode. Okay, that's it for now. Next week's episode is my first Cougar Valentine's Day. I'm so excited. I'm going to be chatting to fellow podcaster, writer and Cougar Melissa Mason on age gaps in dating, especially for women in their 30s because yeah my relationship with Oscar I am five years older and you know what I'm going to try get Oscar on the pod too (laughs) so wish me luck there um thank you so much for listening figuring out 30 is an independent podcast created on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation I'd like to extend my respects to the traditional custodians and I'll catch you next week bye just me and my new BFF. Oh, I've got to stop saying that about everyone that I think's cool that I talk to for the first time. It just puts way too much pressure on the friendship. Um, okay, my baby Charlie, as always, is here and he needs a nappy change ASAP. But if you would like to um, know more from Bridget or actually check out her podcast, I've left um, a link in the show description. And also, um, another recommendation with Bridget is her playlist that she's got on Spotify. It's called What's Good. She's like got the coolest music taste with all the latest hip tracks. So if you want to give it a follow, go do that. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. In the meantime, leave a review, rate, subscribe, do all of the above, and I'll see you next week. Bye. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.